following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. My name is Brian Finch, and I don't know shit about Star Trek. Hello, my name is Andrew Lenz, and I don't know shit about Star Trek. That was kind of painful for you to say. Because I I do, but then I don't. (laughs) It's one of those things. I do, and then I don't. I keep my truckiness within a very smell or smell small <laughs> small realm i'm not as trucky as i feel other people should be okay i feel like i'm one of those people that uh when it comes to star wars or certain things are like i just seen the movies i don't want to know anything else like, I don't want to deep into the TV shows where me, I'm like, I love Next Generation. I love Deep Space Nine. And I've seen all of Voyager. And I couldn't get through Enterprise. But I've not seen, I, I've seen some of the movies. Mm-hmm. I've seen all the Next Generation movies, but I've seen some of like the original movies. And I can't, for some reason, get through the original. So really... I'm a very close-minded Trekkie. Okay. I was going to say that you you know 70% of that shit. Of Star Trek. I, I would even tell it, say 70. Not even 70. No, not even within the realm of what I keep to. I would say 50% max. Okay. Okay. Because well, because you did say no movies. No. Yeah. Like, really, I try to watch Star Trek, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. and. I was the best movie I ever took a nap to other than <laughs> Dune. other than the original Dune. Yeah. Like you need to go to bed. Yeah. Watch, put on those two and you will be sleeping within about 20 minutes. Oh man. Ringing endorsements already. Uh, the reason <laughs> we are talking Star Trek today is because uh, through casual conversation, meme usage back and forth, uh, Andrew rightly called me out on that. I'm supposed to be a nerd. I, I, I admit that I love a lot of nerd culture. I'm a gigantic Marvel fan, Batman for DC. No one else really. Um, I, I freak out for anything Tolkien. So like I, while we're counting down to Obi-Wan and I'll have fun with that for star Wars. Cause I'm a gin- ginormous star Wars nerd. I'm also guys like no one's like even like counting down, but I am. Dude, give me to September. Give me, get me, get me to the Tolkien TV series finally showing up on Amazon after literally like seven years of being talked about. Seven years from when everyone was bidding on it. So like, I love nerd culture. The only outlier 
Okay, maybe there's two because I'm I'm looking at our guest poster there and another big nerd uh, icon. Yeah, is uh, sticking out there. I'm I'm not into Doctor Who, but uh, first and foremost, I need to get Star Trek out of the way. So this is a selfish, right? This is 100%. This is for me, Andrew. I did normally the guests, you would be the one bringing me the topic saying, hey, can we learn about and you like picked pro wrestling so we did that fantastic episode i'll go back and listen to that one um but this one i was like i need to do this for myself i need to educate myself as best as i can about star trek everything star trek movies memorabilia tv shows movies all of it and uh you said you know who we have to talk to and i said well of course i i know this is a guy that i was planning on talking to anyways just because he's a great dude to talk to it's uh, our own Rich Maranto, uh, also from the network, uh, one of two hosts there on the Next of Kin podcast. Rich, you're hey, a huge, you're you? a huge Trekkie. Yeah, I am a huge Trekkie. It was probably my first fandom. Hmm. I no. probably uh, started watching Star Trek when I was about five. Okay, because um, back then it was in syndication, so it was always on TV. Um, this was early seventies. Mm-hmm. So it would be on channel 29, like all the time. And back then there were four channels, not counting Canada. <laughs> so that's pretty much what you watched. And it was always on like in the afternoon. So me and my brothers, I have two older brothers and we just watched Star Trek. We played Star Trek and all our friends like Star Trek. We had models, toys, and sure. that was kind of, it grew up. So it's nostalgic. Star Trek's very nostalgic for me. Uh, in addition to joy, loving the universe and the, you know, everything about it. Okay. So I like that you, you you're coming in from the ground floor. You're coming in with the the first cast, the William Shatner. Yeah, and and, and I've I would say based on what I was listening to next uh, um the, the the four series um before the stuff they've been doing lately. Um I would say I'm an 80 to 90% uh I, except for Voyager, I don't like Voyager. But the other three, I'm a huge fan of. Deep Space Nine is my favorite of all of them. Uh, and I know all the movies. And I know I don't know books. I don't go to conventions. I don't have a costume. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of toys. As you can see, I have all the Christmas ornaments. Uh, and I and I know the new stuff, too. Uh, probably the, I don't know all the new stuff. I, I mainly can talk about Discovery. And I could talk about Picard, which just premiered this week, but I I not doing either of the animated ones. I I've tried them; they're okay, but they're kind of they're they're kind of kiddie to me. I don't like them. So okay. I, I think I can answer most of your questions. <laughs> I have a confession to make, and this might shock you, but I was I'm more pumped for the second season of Picard than I am for the Kenobi TV series. I'm not gonna lie. Hmm. I watched the Kenobi trailer earlier. <sighs> And I'm like, like I, that's you, a tough one. Um, you Borgs. It, I, I watched I, it last night and I'm super psyched about it. Um, I, but I have to say, I'm probably like, maybe like just a smidgen more uh, for Ewan McGregor as, as uh, 
Obi-Wan coming back. I just, and out of the stuff they're going to do, and even John Williams at 300 years old is coming back to do the score. And um, <laughs> this is our last chance to get that last cool ass score from John, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's, I, that's, so I'm, I'm excited for both. And I, I really liked Picard, the new, the first episode of the second season of Picard. It was, it was better than a lot of the episodes in the first season. So I think they've kind of, they're, they're going to hit their stride with this season. So. But that's too new. We got to focus on yeah, the basics. Yeah, we gotta go. We, we, no, we, we yeah. We're trying to. We can't do advanced calculus until we do algebra. That we is, gotta, we got to start with like, get you know your arithmetic. You I know, think your I time need to be ripping off my socks and counting toes here to start. <laughs> oh, that's what I think we need to do here. I knew Rich knew way more than most people I know when it came to Star Trek. When he can actually reference, uh, we talked about it on the episode we did with I think it was Star Trek Four where it, right. Most people references as the one with the whales, but the he, one with the act, he actually knew the name. So I was Voyage like, home. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could name of the original series. I think if you showed me a, a slide or like a screenshot, I probably could name 70 out of the 72 episodes. I probably might, depending on the picture you show me, I probably could name every single episodes in name uh, from the original series because I've seen them that many times. Deep Space Nine, I may not know every episode name, but I could tell you exactly what happens in every episode. Next Generation, there's some gaps. Voyage, there's a lot of gaps. Um, you know, uh, but, it, it, but I know them all. I can tell you just about everything about them, even if I... I, I would watch Voyager because in my mind it was like, well, hey, there wasn't else... There wasn't that much else to watch back then. And... Um, you know, even weak Star Trek was better than no Star Trek, okay. you know, so. Well, uh, so let's go all the way back in our way yep. back machine. Whoop, 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 whoop. And uh, <laughs> we're I, I could make a time. I could make a time travel reference about how the Enterprise goes back in time. If you if yeah. you want to. That that's a perfect segue if you want. Uh, okay. So, so. Well, I, I am um, versed enough to understand that you you just referenced the ship. The Enterprise yep. is the ship, right? Uh, Enterprise. Has- There's been multiple Enterprises, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the original Enterprise would be my favorite. So it's the classic disc with two yep. torpedoes on either side, right? Yep. That kind of ship we're looking at. Those, okay. those would be warp nacelles, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Constitution class, I believe. It is a, it is a Constitution class. Okay. Yes, I'm, I'm yes, doing good. Is. I'm doing You're good. doing there's all right over there. There's different classes. classes of there are diff- yes. There was we only saw one class of ship, of course, back in the 1960s, and I think they were all the same model with the masking tape with stickers, probably over the call the letters or something. To you know, they didn't have a lot of you know budget back then. Sure, sure. Uh, well, going back to uh, your first ever appearance on any network show. You went on Matt Johnson's Eat Sleep list. Yes. And you recorded your top 10 sci-fi spacecrafts, right? Yes. Okay. Enterprise fell number one. I'm trying, you know, I'm sorry to say, I don't remember if I went, I, I probably did. Okay. If it's not number one, Enterprise would be in the top three. Um, I mean, I might have thrown the Millennium Falcon in. Just because, who doesn't want love the Millennium Falcon? I mean, you, you, what kind of communist loving you know 
That's right. <laughs> I got. I went to. I took the kids to uh, some of my students to Disney World as part of a senior trip, which uh, it was educational in the sense that we got to go to see the Millennium Falcon. And I and I literally like I was walking into that area of Star Wars Land or whatever they call it, and I was like, guys, like. It's it's the Millennium Falcon. Like, <laughs> I I think I cried. I think I I mean because it's the the Millennium Falcon they have is like friggin' awesome. So, um, but I've seen like the Enterprise model in the Smithsonian. So that was pretty cool too. The originals. So that's got on. I I geeked out for that pretty well oh. too. So yeah, it's in the Smithsonian. It's actually they actually refurbished the original model. It's about an eight foot long model. Uh, they spent a lot of time fixing it, repairing it, and they they kind of have to special case and stuff you can walk all the way around it and stuff it's pretty cool okay i don't know if i would have seen i may have seen it but i remember fonzie's jacket that's the one thing i remember from this uh, it's in the air and space museum it's not in the american history museum oh uh, okay then i didn't see yeah it. okay so we're, we're in the right frame of mind here i think we're, we're talking the right time period start me off with this i it, to understand the lasting power of star trek there has to be something that was established even way back then back in the 60s tv show william shatner overacting his ass off you know obviously there's one of the most monumental tv moments when you have your first interracial kiss on television which such a big deal back then so what was it besides just a moment like that or even the fact that um they kind of made it in the syndication, maybe a little uh, more prevalent than other sci-fi shows may have done. Maybe that's like a bigger reason why it blew up. Right. In your opinion, Rich, why is Star Trek still such a powerful brand to this day? Um, I, I obviously everybody talks about oh, there was the hidden message and the moral play, and that's cool stuff. Um, the writing for Star Trek in general, I think, has been incredible. I think really it comes down to the fact of the of the human condition. And I think the concept of Captain Kirk, who's the ultimate human, and he has these two best friends, who's the analytical one and the emotional one, and they kind the three of them battle it out. Obviously, there's other characters, Scotty, and all that stuff, and they're fun too. But I think the show comes down to the relationship between those three characters and their friendship. And I think as a young child. Uh, my favorite Captain Kirk moment is the episode of where Spock is in heat and he has to be, he has to go back to his home planet or he'll die. And Kirk promises him. He won't tell him anyone else why he has to bring him back because he respects his friend Matt's that much. And his boss, the Admiral tells him, no, you can't do it. And Kirk says, I'm going anyway. And he goes, I can't let him die. He's my friend. He saved my life a dozen times over. Isn't that worth a career? And I, and that, as a kid, as a nine, 10 year old kid that taught me about friendship. And I think for me, the show is, you can talk about the sci-fi and you can talk about the battling aliens. And I think the human condition, uh, friendship, what you would do for your friends and the camaraderie of the casts, not just that series, but throughout the shows is what has always drawn me to Star Trek. I think that's why we liked the first Star Wars, Star Wars four so much because we love the relationship between Luke, Han, Leia, and Chewie, and even the robots. I think we're drawn to that camaraderie, um, what you would do for your friends. And to me, that's more important than the phasers and the Vulcan neck pinch. And that stuff's cool too. But I think, I think it's, 
it's it you know because obviously it wasn't the quality of special effects it was just to me it was always just the characters the overacting the 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 the, the passion you know for the human condition yeah uh so let's hang in this uh time period a little bit longer just so i can get yep. a reference of so you you got established with it early on and it didn't seem hokey to you at all but me being born in 84 and then not seeing anything about Star Trek until into the 90s, already I had comparisons where, well, that doesn't look nearly as cool as and I could name whatever I want. Oh, to, yeah, right? for sure. Uh, there was a large gap, though, right, between that generation and the next. Um, what was it that you thought that was worth rebooting it again? Because it seemed like they probably could have let things go, right? Yep. It could have been like, we we did this TV series. It was very successful. Went into syndication. Everyone's getting paychecks, getting, you know, what are those called? Actually, they, actually they weren't. Um, that original oh. cast, that was before those days. In those days, there were not residuals for those actors. Oh. Um, so most of, like, the William Shatner and, and probably got something, but Nimoy got something, but the rest of them didn't get anything. Um, uh, and, and a lot of them got typecasted and never got a lot of other work after that. I mean, some of the actors had already been, were older, so they had already been done a lot of work and they were working actors, but some of the younger actors, they never really worked that well. And obviously even Shatner had problems, you know, later got to the 80s TJ hooker and the movies and he was able to do more, but a lot of them struggled at the end of star Trek. Um, I, I think um, what happened was the show obviously got canceled. Um, the fans saved it one time with the letter writing campaign, got an extra season, and then it got canceled again. Um, and then there was that syndication thing, which was a big deal. And then they started talking about doing another series, and it was called Star Trek Phase Two. And Leonard Nimoy was not going to return. It was a, it was the same ship. It was more updated, basically the same cast. They had written some episodes, and then Star Wars came out. And when Star Wars came out, Paramount said, screw this. We're not doing a TV show. We'll do the movie. The movie's terrible. The first Star Trek, the motion picture, I talked about Star Trek, the human condition. That movie has nothing to do with Star Trek. Um, it's boring for me. Um, it, it made a lot of money, and it led to other movies being done. But most Star Trek fans think that's the worst of the Star Trek movies because it's got. it's really not... It, it, it's so it's so it's so re, uh, controlled and in the costumes all look bad and the ship looks cool. But other, but like you said, there's it's there's a there's a half an hour scene where they're flying through a spaceship and, and, it, and it's just like I, I'm going to go I'm going to go take a shower because it's so long and, and they'll still be flying through this void. But but motion picture does so well that it led to the wrath of Khan. And that's really when Star Trek was back because they were had, they had much better special effects um, as good as anything else. They were done by industrial light and magic. So they were as good as special effects as any other movie at the time. Okay. And that led to the movies. And because the movies were so popular, um, there was this desire to bring a new cast in. They brought a next generation, uh, which is probably about close to 20 years later. And, and I don't think the first season of Next Generation is very good. Um, I think around the second or third season when they finally bring in the Borg um, and they started to realize what they had with the character Data and Captain Picard um, and Worf, the Klingon, um, that's when 
that show took off. But the first couple seasons, most of us as fans watched it, I think because we just felt we owed it to Star Trek to watch it, to keep it going, um, to not give up on it. But it, it wasn't great in the first couple seasons. At least I don't think so. Okay. You well, know? that does seem like uh, something that I would have said about Star Trek, which is if you became a fan as a child, uh, you're going to carry that out. I, I think there's, you know, just as much as I hate the sequels of Star Trek or Star Wars, it, I, I'm still a fan. I'm still tuning in for man. Did you watch the bills when they stunk? That's how I grew up. That's how I started. So it's no different. It's the no. same thing. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm looking at your video and you know, you're, you're, and behind you is all the bill stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, we were all fans, but it was, there were some lean years there. And you know, a lot of us said, uh, you know, I'll watch something else, but the true Bills fan stayed with it because that's their team. And for me, Star Trek, it was my first fandom. So I never, you know, like I said, I mean, even when Next Generation wasn't great, it was still better than not having Star Trek. And, you know, that's kind of the way, you know, that's the way it was. I mean, I, I think the second, the, 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 the Next Generation was on for seven seasons. I think the, 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 the last five, four and a half are great. And I, those are good seasons. Um, there's some bad episodes because they used to make 26 episodes a year. They're not all going to be good. I mean, we learned that with Netflix now. Um, <laughs> you know, that's why they do 12 episodes now because they don't want to try to stretch it. Uh, probably the cost too. But and then when that Deep Space Nine came out, though, I mean, uh, when we can talk, I could talk about Deep Space Nine for two days. But to me, Deep Space Nine, even though the first season's got some some problems, um, I love Deep Space Nine, and I, you know. I, Andrew can tell you, like, it's just it to me, it's the first really modern sci-fi TV show. It's 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 like like how you said with the first one, too, also is that it examines more of a balance between work and family in a way. Yeah, that's 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 what I like about it. I like that a lot about that show because Cisco could be very vengeant because you know his wife died on the ship when they were battling the there's gonna be some spoilers battling the borg in the beginning of you know in the pilot movie of that but yet he's not and now he's a single father and he's not even a captain he's just a commander and he gets thrown on and he's got the worst in the galaxy almost like yeah you know he's he's you know it's not you know it it, obviously through fortunes and and obviously there's some there's some faith that's explored in Deep Space Nine too, it's, but I agree. Like, um, but I mean, a lot of people talk about the like the angry Cisco, like you know he was mad at Picard. It's really like half of one episode because by the second episode, he's not like he's not like oh my wife said you know like it's not like that. Yeah. It's only really that first half of that one episode to create the dynamic that he's not Captain Picard, and I think they went out of their way. And I I think as again. Deep Space Nine comes out in 1993. I'm just starting my teaching career. I don't have children yet. Um, I obviously have my own father as a role model, who is an amazing dad. But uh, I think f- as a role model for fathers, uh, Ben Sisko was like a really cool role model. Like his acting, the actors, Avery Brooks acting uh, with that child, the guy who plays his son. Uh, and as that kid grew up on the series, um, it, it, there was something there. There was like what he would do for his son. And I think, again, it goes to what you do for your friends, what you do for your family. Um, 
you know, uh, and that's what, and a deep space sign again, also had some real deep space sign was the first thing that I ever saw where the war wasn't like a 50 minute episode. The war went on for like four years. Um, and it, it, it really tackled the horrors of war terrorism before nine 11. It did stuff about terrorism. With the Beijing Cardassian. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Bajor was a lot like Kosovo, like a lot of that, Russian invade, you know, like Russian USSR kind of, they, they brought a lot of modern political th- themes into um, deep space nine and they were pretty daring. Um, they had the first lesbian kiss on television. No. Uh, yeah, they did. Um, the first black captain, um, you know, first black real true leader that wasn't a thug, you know, even, even Avery Brooks played Hawk on the old uh, Spencer for hire show. And he was a murderer basically. And, and then he went to play this like, you know, um, that's why he had hair and no beard in the first couple episodes because they wanted to differentiate between him and the previous character that he had just left on television. And then oh. he said, "But I want, I want to shave my head. And I want to bring the goatee back." And they let him do it. I think about the third season, they let him phase it in over time. But again, I think all the Star Trek shows always examine the human condition. The first series, Spock was that thing, right? Spock was this half-human guy who was struggling with emotions. And the next generation, they had Data, who was an android. He was Pinocchio, who wanted to be human, and then. And uh, on Deep Space Nine, they didn't really kind of have that one character. They all kind of, like you talked about the family aspect, like Miles yeah. O'Brien. He's a regular guy. He was an enlisted guy. Like he's not on a, you know, he's not an officer. He's just a guy who joined Starfleet. He's a worker. He's got a wife. He's got a, you know, we don't see the wife very often. <laughs> she's always on, she's always working off, off planet. They didn't have the actress on very often. But um, he's trying to, you know, take care of his family and he's trying to be the right guy. And, and then, you know, when they bring Worf in, in Deep Space Nine, they really examine this this struggle between being human, being Klingon, like being raised by humans, but trying to be true to his Klingon heritage. And there was a lot of cool things they did with that. And um, then obviously in the next series on Voyager, they, they had the 709, a Borg character who was trying to refine her humanity, and also the, ro- the, the, the hologram who was trying to out- be more than his programming. So the, every series, they've always seemed to have that concept of you know, who's the most, hum- like, who's the character that's trying to understand the humanity of stuff, which I always say, ironically, um, on Deep Space Nine is the, is the barkeep, uh, you know, this capitalistic jerk named Quark, and, and, you know, and he's the most human of all the characters on the show. He's the guy that, he's your next door neighbor. He's the guy who steals your lawnmower, and, you, and he said, oh, I never took your lawnmower. I mean, that's, and I love Quark, because he's just, he he's this outside observer looking at all these humans doing all these stupid things. He's like, why can't we just have a beer and just not do this? Like, what am I, you know, it's, and, uh, but even his character, all the characters, there's a lot of secondary characters on deep space nine. And it's the first show. I also think that they brought in a lot of reoccurring characters and, and developed those characters as well too. And they tackled, you know, uh, you know, uh, PTSD and they tackled all kinds of great topics which I think is another great reason why we like Star-, Star Trek people like Star Trek because because of those underlying stories that they're trying to tell through the concept of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Another interesting character on Deep Space Nine, as you're talking about a struggle in a way, is Odo. And I, <laughs> Odo is a shapeshifter in the beginning of the sh- series. He's the only one of his kind. Right. So it's a very struggle in a way because the Cardassians, another alien race ran the, ran the space station before the Federation moved in. 
So he knew the Cardassians and he just did the Cardassian way. And then once they moved out, he kind of got into the Federation way. And then he finds out where he's from and his people ultimately get into a war with the Federation. So it's very kind of a hard struggle. I feel in his mind sometimes between his people where he finally finds where out where he's from, but the people that took him in as a family, like Rich said. Yeah. And the duty and honor of the people that he's, and obviously there's a, there's a love interest in that too, but I agree. Like he definitely struggles with being torn between his people and, um, and the people that his are his friends. And I, and again, I think that's that ongoing thing. I mean, there's, you know, uh, Worf, the episodes with Worf where he's, you know, doing stuff for honor, you know, and, and he's just a badass in that series. And I, you know, I just thought that Michael Dorn does a incredible job as the character. And even though, you know, and the fighting is good and the sci-fi is good, but again, like I love every character in Beast Space Nine. There isn't a character I disliked, um, you know, and I, I can't think of too many series where I could say that, you know, oh, that's definitely, that's definitely true. Yeah. Uh, every time you guys say Kardashian, I just yeah, I'm, I'm yep. like that's so unfortunate that I think they knew that. I I don't think they realized that she was gonna you know that the whole family was gonna be a big thing. I think that they found the name, you know, uh, somewhere the guy saw it and he said, oh that's a cool sounding name and I'll just name the alien race after it. I mean, um, and did not expect that. Obviously, it's spelled differently and it's pronounced slightly different. Mm-hmm. But it's like Leonard Skinner. I mean, it's not spelled the same way, but it's clearly the name of their high school gym teacher. They just yep. spelled it differently, and it's almost. I, I no one's ever confirmed that because it's just too coincidental for it to be anything else that they saw it. Um, you know, it's kind of like when I used to watch Hill Street Blues, and the guys who wrote Hill Street Blues were from Buffalo, so every street was a street in Buffalo. So oh, there was God. crimes on West Ferry, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like what Delaware? Like they were like all the street references on that show because they never said what city it was uh, uh, ever in the series, and um, uh, and that's why you know it's funny because I watched Hill Street Blues, and that was an '80s show, uh, and it also was the show that had that strong concept of family uh, and, and all those recurring characters. And that's why I think why Hill street blues uh, in its own way was also a forerunner of all the types of shows we watch now. Cause before that, it was always like, there was the star Beretta was the detect, you know, he had the, he had the cop that he fought with and maybe a neighbor, but everything was on, you know, there was a small cast and the second year carriers didn't do anything. But I think Star Trek started to do that specifically with next generation. It seemed like everybody got a couple good episodes. Um, you know, and sometimes that seemed felt like they didn't know what to do with certain characters like Wesley Crusher. What do we do with him for this episode? But um, let's send him off to the Academy to get rid of him. Um, but they would definitely have like they, they, this a con- concept of an ensemble cast. And now you see like Game of Thrones and, and I'm a huge Expanse fan, which just ended on um, Amazon. And um, uh, the Expanse reminds me a lot of Deep Space Nine. And ironically, I didn't know this, but some of the the, the showrunners for The Expanse actually were, their first jobs were working for Paramount and working for Deep Space Nine. They wrote scripts for Deep Space Nine. So they got their, they they got their, you know, their first start in Star Trek and then turned it into Expanse later on, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So. There's some continuity I was hoping to like hand yeah. through. Go ahead. Yes. So. This is all glancing off of like, I don't know 100%, but I'm pretty confident in these things. 
Uh, so the Motorola flip phone that yep. came from Star Trek. Yep. Okay. The, the guys, I've read articles on this. They were like, if we're going to have a phone, let's make it look like a communicator. They, on purpose. I mean, they did that on purpose. Um, uh, Steve Jobs said that QuickTime and Apple Music came from an episode of watching Star Trek Next Generation. Captain Picard was in his quarters and he says, computer, play some classical music thing. And he said, well, that's a really good idea. So he literally spent the rest of his night trying to get his computer to store something on using the microphone port and he, and it took forever. And he said, I've got to figure a way to do this. So really the music industry was significantly changed because of Star Trek next generation. That's awesome. You know? Yep. Uh, and there's a bunch of things like that. There's a whole bunch of things that came from that, you know, the cell phone, uh, even some of like the ideas of hypo sprays where you push it into your arm. A lot of that stuff, a lot of the people that developed those things said that were all like, they're all geeky Star Trek fans. And they said, I'm going to do that when I get older. Like they were inspired to become scientists or doctors or whatever right. engineers because of stuff they saw. Like I, I've seen that story, you know, on a bunch of times online, you know, uh, some, something, a big thing that, uh, people that were diehards in the early days caught on to was, uh, if you're wearing a red shirt on an episode, uh, you're about to get, you know, you're yeah, the next one to go. May not make it. Right. May not make it. So yeah. is that and a sometimes a couple thing? times, sometimes a couple times. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's that. Ad, Cause back then you got to remember 1960, they had no idea what syndication was. They had no idea that we're going to have a VHS player. They had no idea that we'd be watching this shit 30, 40 years later. And, um, it's funny. So there's actually one guy, I think it's, I think the character's name was Leslie or something. And the guy dies twice. Like he dies in the first season as a security guard. And then just, the next week he was just back. And then, <laughs> you know, and then he died again. And, um, <laughs> like later, um, but definitely the, the red shirt thing, uh, wasn't, I think came up later. Um, the bigger thing that was probably the one that I like the beam me up, Scotty was a big thing, which actually never actually says, right. Says, it's one of those up, you yeah. know, Kirk to enterprise, but he never, it's kind of like played against Sam that never actually was the actual wording. Uh, but the other one that's cool with that is, is the, they definitely wrote in that concept of I'm a doctor, not an engineer. I mean, I'm a doctor, not an engineer. I'm doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm doctor, not a, like the, the McCoy stuff. And uh, that actually came, uh, that was, that was ad-libbed by DeForest Kelly in the first time. And then they started to add it. He had done it in a Western, uh, like I'm a, I'm a cowboy, not a whatever. And then someone, he made a joke about using it on Star Trek uh, and they, then they just wrote it in, uh, the writers, you know, they, that was, you know, really ad lib kind of concept. So. Yeah. I like that. I, I, I don't know where I heard that from or whatnot, but I, I did hear that it was ad libbed once. And then they're like, Ooh, it's kind of like your thing. That's like your yeah. hook. Gotta yeah. keep this. Yeah. Um, so I do know that shall we, I already embraced the idea that William Shatner's overacting was an issue that everyone saw. But I, they kind of leaned, let him lean into it a little bit, right? They're like, "This is this is your thing, like this this is the cadence that we kind of like want you to continue here." That was a style of acting in the 1960s too, um, and he was just a he was a member of that school of acting for the 1960s. So 
then he just wrote it. He wrote his career based on that. Yeah. Um, you know, whether it was CJ Hooker or, you know, being on Boston Legal or even, you know, I think when he played the, the big hat on Third Rock from the Sun or something uh, like, he, you know, he, Shatner's, Shatner's an interesting dude. Um, you know, um, I, I think that he, you know, he, uh, he was passionate about the way he acted and, you know, there's a lot of stories about he's kind of a conceited jerk and all that stuff, but you know, we, we learn that about our heroes quite often. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that like, I think part of the overacting, there's moments that like what I, you know, I, I do the, you can see it. Obviously it's a podcast. You can't, you can't see it, but he's like, you know, risk, risk is our business. And there's great episodes like that, you know, where he says that like, you know, my favorite one is, you know, yes, we've got a one in a million chance, but we've got to take that chance. Don't you understand? Like, and it's that over, the, it's that overacting. And um, it was fun to imitate. It was fun to play Captain Kirk when you're 10 years old, running around with your friends. Um, you know, and uh, no, I want to be Kirk. No, I want, no, I'm Kirk. It's my, it's right. my house. I'm Captain Kirk. You can be Scotty. Um, you know. Uh, and my younger friend, the the little guy, the guy who was like three years younger, hung around the neighborhood with us. We'd play Star Trek. He always had to be Chekhov because he was the kid. He was the younger one. He never got to be Scotty or Kirk or anybody. He was always, uh, you know, my one friend who's a super smart kid. He was always, you know, he was the smart one. He went to Callis Anxious High School, so he had to be he had to be Mr. Spock. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it was funny. Like it was just kind of. Uh, but the acting, I think the overacting and the ripped shirts and everything, his shirt always seemed to be ripped after a fight. And, yeah. um, and uh, you know, uh, there's just so many fun things about it. Um, they knew what they were doing um, with it. And they, they kind of knew their fandom. They, they knew they were getting letters. So they would work things in. They, they, the second season, they, they worked so much in. And even the third season, because of letters and ideas that they've gotten, you know, fan mail back in the day when bags and bags and bags of letters would show up. And Shatner was always mad because Nimoy got more letters than he did. Uh-huh. Um, that's that, you know, that's even Nimoy's, I mean, leave, uh, you know, Shatner's even admitted that. But I don't know, like it's, it's, uh, I don't know, I'm sorry. What else you got? What, what do you want to know? I feel like I haven't, what can I tell you? Hey, I like the idea that I can unwind you up and just let you go on some of these things. I, I love it. <laughs> That's the only way I'm going to learn. I, right, and no one else wants to hear this. So that's the good well, news. Like, you know, <laughs> what I never understood is why did he change his uniform? Uh, the he green was, one. Yeah. It went from like that yellow yeah. to that green. The green was, wasn't all the time. Uh, once in a while he'd wear the green one. And I, I feel there's never been a good reason for that. I think it was a way cause he gained weight in the one season, and I think they had put a corset on him, and I think they used the green thing because the corset, you could kind of see the corset through the yellow shirt. So I think they came up with a different costume design. Uh, I, that's just my own theory. I don't, I've never read that in that a book or, spot you know, I guarantee you that's what it is. Well, you know, that's a next generation thing, too. If you watch it, their uniform, the way they would have to pull it down all the time, yeah, it, it was would ride a, up, it would ride one, up the way, yeah. The first season was like a one-piece jumpsuit. Yeah, and then wrong. you saw guys wearing like the dress suit. There was it, yep. There was even couple. guys who had the dress on in the first season. Yeah, there's a couple guys like in the in '87 or whatever it was when it came out. There's a guy wearing like a dress, and I I don't know what that. I don't probably make it a statement. I, I guess from I what know. I understand, they were trying to do like a gender neutral thing. Yeah. 
like, why not? You know, it's the future. It's yeah, why not? Well, hey, they've got a they've got a non-binary actor on the new show, and they have characters that are non-binary, and good for them. Like, who cares? I mean, yeah. I mean, like that's that's the funny thing I like to say really quick. There are Star Trek fans that have no concept and haven't been paying attention because they'll 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 be exactly what Star Trek likes to make fun of. Like Star Trek in the beginning would do things and the censors would freak out. Yeah. And that's why they were able to hide stuff because by doing it as a sci-fi concept. And I feel like sometimes a lot of the fans, especially nowadays with Twitter and you know, the haters of the world uh, don't understand what Star Trek's trying to teach them. And I, I, why do I go? Why is every character got to be gay now or whatever? Like, you know, like, you know what? Like there, if it's in your face, uh, I understand, but it's never Star Trek. It's never in your face. It's always subtle. I don't. I, there's rarely been like that stuff where you get hit over the head of it, like like it's a bat. Like here's the moral lesson that you should be learning. You know, um, today's episode is about poverty. Like they don't do that. Like sometimes you don't even catch it until maybe the second time you watch the episode. Um, you know, especially with Deep Space Nine, I feel they really did a lot of because Deep Space Nine, the network hated Deep Space Nine. Uh, Paramount. Um, next generation was their favorite child and deep space nine, um, was like that. That was that stepchild that they didn't know what to do with. Um, and, uh, Voyager was the, you know, the child that wanted to please everybody. So deep space nine would like push the limits of stuff. Um, because, um, you know, they, um, because they knew that they were pissing off the executives, uh, when they were writing the episodes, they were, they kind of did some stuff like even like the ship was the, the, the cool ship that they have called the defiant, which is this really cool battle ass ship. It's a very yeah. small, it's just for fighting. It was supposed to be called the valiant and the executives told them they couldn't call it that because Voyager had come out and they had a ship called the ship was, we can't have two ships with a V. So they had, so they called it the Defiant. But then later, they did a whole episode later in the series, and one of the ships on purpose was called the Valiant, just so they could kind of stick it to the, the higher ups. <laughs> Which I, you know, when you hear those stories nowadays, like, you obviously didn't know them back then, but like you hear those stories, like I think that's why I like the show because they knew what they were doing. They knew they were they were pissing people off uh, with the way they were doing things. That that's you know, funny. have so, you have you ever heard the Pat Oswalt joke about the original series? No. How it got him in trouble in school. No. All right. So he talks about how he goes to this liberal arts college where he's got a he was an English major and he's got to take uh, physics. So the head of the physics department is teaching this like uh, I think it's called physics for poets or something like that. I forget what he calls it, but he said that the head of the physics department is teaching this and he goes and, you know, pervadum, he says, you know, it's obviously uh, you know, a favor to the university. And he said, so one day he decides to put a, you know, question up on the, on the board and appeal to everybody. And it's a Star Trek question and it's, you know, a distance of velocity. If captain Kirk tells check off to fire the phasers and the Romulan ship is coming this fast and the enterprise is going this fast. Well, then his friend talks about how he got up from his seat. And I don't know, I don't know if this is factually true, like what he's gonna tell. And he said his friend saw him get up from his seat, go down and talk to the professor, and he's very angrily telling him something. And then finally the professor stands up and he was like, Well, 
I guess I made this a question impossible to answer because I guess uh, Sulu fires the phasers on the Enterprise, not Chekhov. And if I made this question <laughs> impossible for you to answer, please let me know. Well, it was interesting because uh, I had questions based on what you told me. Sulu's the helmsman. Chekhov's the weapons officer. So Chekhov tended to fire the phasers, the photon torpedoes. And Chekhov had the reputation of being very good at it. So in deep space, uh, in, in Star Trek Wrath of Khan, he's off the ship on a different ship. And when he joins the ship, when he comes in, they put him on the weapons station. And I remember sitting there with my friends in 1982 were like, yeah, Chekhov's going to start some shit. Now he's firing the phasers. Now, bitch, take that con. <laughs> and I remember, th- I remember that, but, but more importantly, the thing that jumped into my mind, you can't fire your, you can't fire your phasers when you're at warp. So I don't know how you're going to catch the Romulan ship. If the I, Romulan ship, so. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there was this. I'm getting, we're all getting the story slightly wrong, but I, I can, yeah. I, I can imagine. Uh, I had a professor um, in college that somehow him and I turned out we were both Star Trek fans, and I got an A in that class, so it helped me out <laughs> in a terrible, uh, some stupid math class that I had to take for my major that I never needed for uh, yeah, I was years say, of education. I want to you know, know what what the um, you know the study was of that I, class. I, if it, was, it was something study. like analytic analytical geometry algebra something awful that was just all theory, all theory like i need that to that teach high school geometry like you know it was just awful but i mean the guy likes star trek and i like star trek and i got an a so you know, yeah. it did something right so. well I, I i didn't think that was going to be like a uh you're taking some sort of 17th century French poetry <laughs> class and the teacher's like this diehard Trekkie. I don't think that happens. Maybe it does. You know, pictures, they all Picard cross paths, was. I'm sure. Yeah. Picard was big into yeah. 17th century well, see, poetry. Yeah. I, I, I can't yeah. even, I can't even purposely well, because, make a bad joke. No, because Star Trek being real there's on it. There's so much depth to yep. some of these characters, especially when they go into the holodeck. Yeah. I, I Okay. So I hate the holodeck. I, I I thought it was a cop out when they were lazy and they, especially on Voyager. I feel like okay, every yeah. other, every episode, every other episode of Voyager. And I talked to Christian and my son, Christian, who's on my son, on the, what I do next of kin with. And he, and he, he's heard these rants. So he laughs. He's like, Oh, you're going to do the You're going to do your rants about stuff. Aren't you? Is yeah. He goes, Oh boy, Voyager's on. All right. Here goes well, dad. But every other episode, I feel like they didn't know what to do. So they're like, well, let's have him go into the, the and up. Oh, wait, the computer broke. Now yeah. there's a problem with the holodeck. How will they solve it? And it was like, <laughs> oh my god! Like, there's very few holodeck episodes on Deep Space Nine. There's really only one that's kind of a, and that was a way to do a James Bond ripoff. Um, yeah, th- you know, uh, that was really well, the only one. Not but, Quark. What's this? Uh, they, they had a they had an episode where. Um, Dr. Bashir uh, liked to pretend to be a spy. So they did an episode where he was like a James Bond character. And then all the characters got stuck in the, they had to put the characters in for some stupid technical reason. You know, the yada yada, the science. Um, So like Worf ended up being like the Bond, like Hunchman. And uh, I think like Cisco ended up being like the, you know, like the guy running, you know, like he was the, you know, the, the guy who's running, um, you know, Spectre, like they weren't using James Bond characters, but, um, uh, names, but they got sued. They got sued by James, by the producers of James yeah. Bond. Cause they said it was too close to James Bond. Have, they got, of course. 
Did we talk about the holodeck, Brian? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, we're going to have to circle back and uh, (laughs) cover. uh, There's some lingo we're getting thrown around that I don't quite uh, gather. Holodeck is a virtual reality, but you actually can touch it, which seems to me problematic. That's why, like, I loved Empty Space Nine. The holodeck became the hollow suite, and you could go in there and live out hollow novels. And the favorite hollow novel that people like to do is Vulcan Love Slave. So you can guess what happened on the holodeck when you're in the works hollow suite. It's mm. it's a little bit little bit edgier. It's that you know that room that you know in the back yeah. of the porno shop is what so it that sounds one like. Showed up you know? on the Spice Channel. God, do you watch the Orville? Uh, no, I don't, and they I should. Whole, they did a uh, whole episode on the Orville where it was like uh, one of the guys were going in there and using it for something of that nature, but it would be it was set like if you were to do that on your home computer where it kept on getting a virus, kept on getting a virus. Oh, that's hilarious! And then it got it into the ship's computer. That's great. That's hilarious. So I should watch Orville and I haven't, but I will. That's so a good one for you. If you, yeah. if you want I'll probably to- binge watch it. I'm just going to wait till it's done and I'll just watch it. I'm not going to do a weekly thing. I'm going to just binge watch it. Yeah. It, it would be good for you too, Brian, if you kind of want to ease into a Star Trek with a little bit of comedy and the Orville does that pretty good. Yeah. There's, there's Star Trek fans who hate discovery so much that they would rather consider Orville Star Trek canon than discovery. It's a it's a it's a common thing that comes up on like some of my fan page like my fandom pages that I yeah. I, I kind of left a lot of them because there's a lot of there, somebody I forget somebody on our network was talking about which was the most hateful fandom did you see that oh that's uh, Jaws is running that uh, for sports enthusiasts and I said this the Star Trek fandom can be awful they're just like they're never happy um I so I kind of left a lot of those pages because it's like well then don't watch it yeah stop talking about it like you know if you're mad don't watch it like it's like I wouldn't go into a I guess I I guess you know if I was really mad at the Sabers I don't think I would watch the games to bitch about it and then go right. on a podcast or go in I mean I, I you know I, I may talk about what's wrong with the Sabers yeah. if I was doing it but I I don't think I would just go on Twitter and just say and just bitch about everything and I just <laughs> feel like a lot of fandom people that's all they do. Um, you know, then don't watch it. Go find, go watch something else. Oh, uh, well, Matt, Matt if you I, can't find, yeah, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, no, so it's just Matt and I were going to be starting up a Star Wars podcast. And the original reason that I wanted to talk about or <laughs> wanted to do one was because I wanted to be able to bitch about George Lucas on, so, on like a monthly basis. So if you want to do that, don't invite me on. The kid who knows more than anything about Star Wars is Christian, my son. Oh, my God. He knows everything. Like, he knows he's a Clone Wars expert. He can tell you exactly what he knows it all. And it's it's fun. I've learned so much just talking to him. Like, uh, yeah, so he just he can tell me about episode two of third season of Clone Wars and what this character is and who that is. And 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 that's why watching the newer shows like uh, that Favreau is, uh, you know, Filoni is doing, you know, He's a fan of that guy because he grew up. He his favorite Star Wars property is Clone Wars, even over the movies. I don't blame him, you know. And I, I agree too. As I've watched Clone Wars, I just think when obviously it's led into Mandalorian and now you know some of the other stuff. But in a lot of ways, Rebels is my favorite. I he likes that. Rebels an awful lot too. You know, I like Bad Batch. I'm really impressed with Bad Batch. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we kind of hit your favorites. I, I like that we. You, you yep. jumped right on Next Generation, right? And then you jumped right on and did uh, D Space Nine, right? So those ones are ones that you've 
Deep Space is your favorite? Deep Space is my favorite. If I was telling somebody to watch a Star Trek show, it's problematic. My son, um, both my kids have watched Star Trek a little bit, but my older son is more the sci-fi guy. And he will tell you that it's, he has the same problem you guys have, like trying to watch the original series and getting through the the bad storytelling of the 1960s. But he can appreciate it because I've shown him some. I've shown him enough episodes, like the Doomsday Machine episode and the Tribble episode, and right. some of the better some of the better episodes. Uh, but there's some bad ones too, like Spock's brain's awful. And you what know, about the, uh, the one? What's the episode where he fights that reptilian looking creature? Uh, the uh, that is uh, the arena uh, where he's fighting a Gorn. Yes, yeah. and, and you know, <laughs> I, I get that. <laughs> I get that reference from uh, Cable Guy when yep. uh, Jim Carrey's yep. facing off. Get on the yep. freaking horse, man. I don't think he's kidding. He's holding <laughs> do, do, this, do, 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 Yeah, well, this, the music's great, yeah. too. Like, they, Alexander Courage wrote most of that music. And um, I will the, say the soundtrack is phenomenal for that. Like, the fight scene music, really the fight scene music's pretty good. You know, like, in, you know, when Captain Kirk would get in that fight scene or, you know, um, that type of stuff. And I think, like, you know, like the Muck Time fight, the fight where the one where Kirk has to fight Spock. When Spock is again in heat, uh, those are some pretty good. That's a pretty some pretty good fight scenes, yeah. and those are episodes too where they didn't use as much of the stunt doubles. You want to hear a funny quick story about stunt doubles? Sure. So back in the 1960s, a lot of time again, the cameras quality weren't real good, so they could they could sub in a, a, a stunt double, and you would never be able to tell. I mean, yeah. you know, the quality it wasn't you know HD. It wasn't HD. Um, so then when they were doing the 40th anniversary of Star Trek, Deep Space Nine have is an episode where they found a really cool way very early in CGI to put the, the, the Cisco cast onto the original episode where they had to travel back in time and they travel back in time and there's all this stuff happening, but there's a scene where they go into the bar, which is the, one of these silly Western type fight scenes. And the, the, the Deep Space Nine cast is looking at the table where Sulu, excuse me, not Sulu, Chekhov and Scotty are sitting with another guy, and they're like, oh my God, it's Captain Kirk. Let's buy him a drink. And it wasn't Captain Kirk. It was the stunt double uh, who played Captain Kirk, playing just another character on the show. Oh. In that episode back in the 1960s, and everybody in Star Trek knew that legend, so they actually wrote it in as kind of a tongue-in-cheek moment that, uh, they that even the the cast of the you know the crew of Deep Space Nine thought that that was actually Captain Kirk, and they're like, oh wait, that's not Captain Kirk. He's only got lieutenant stripes on his shirt. So that's a funny like people. I just corrected somebody on 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 the Deep Space Nine fan fan page on Facebook the other day, thinking that thought that was stupid, and I was like, well, you didn't get the joke, and they were like, when I explained the joke to them, they're like, oh, that's great. I didn't know that. And again, you know, so. I, I know my shit, so to speak. <laughs> well, that's why you're on. Um, yeah, thank God. So I want to talk the movies. The, I guess what I can gather from what we've already kind of said and what I've read is very hit and miss. Here's the There's joke some... about the Star Trek movies. Yeah. The even movies are good. The odd movies are terrible. And it's ba- that's- and that's based on what that they didn't f- no I'm like I'm, I'm like is, is it- Star Trek one sucks two's yeah. great three's okay four's great five's okay six's great <laughs> seven's is, is seven's this- not so good eight's yeah. great like are we it, saying it- they're bad movies or are we saying they're bad for Star Trek so like they're 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 not the best like the the next Wrath of Khan is probably the best originals well people would argue this but. 
Wrath of Khan is a great Star Trek movie. Voyage Home is a great, great sci-fi movie, but it's a great Star Trek movie too. And it, it was the first time Star Trek movies didn't take themselves too seriously going back to, that's the one with the whales. Okay. And they, there's a lot of fun moments in that episode, in that movie. It's more like an episode. And, you know, Leonard Nimoy wanted to do something, you know, important. He wanted to talk about the, the plight of whales. And I don't think I knew anything about whales were, you know, in trouble until I saw it in, in Voyage Home. So he did his job. And then Star Trek V, Captain William Shatner directed, and it's it's all about Shatner. And then the sixth movie is Star Trek um, Undiscovered Country, which is the last original series cast. And I would argue that might be the best of the six. Uh, Wrath of Khan's really good, but I think I like undiscovered country even more because the Klingon empire basically is collapsing. And the reason, and it was right around the same time that the Soviet union collapsed. So they did this great parallel, what was going on with history that the only person that could go and negotiate peace with the Klingons was what was captain Kirk. Um, so they, the, the sixth movie is great. The seventh movie is the one where they mix the next generation cast with the original cast. And it's not a great movie, but it's okay. But then, First Contact is the first Captain Picard movie, and that might be the best of all the Star Trek movies. I think I think First Contract's the best of all the Star Trek movies. Nemesis is horrible, but you need to watch Nemesis to kind of get the grip on Picard. You're exactly right. This, to get the gist of what Picard is doing. Yes, I would agree with that. Nicole. Yeah. It's kind of like watching, even though it's not that bad, like watching the book of Boba Fett without watching return of the Jedi or sure strikes back. I would agree with that because it kind of gives you that story into the book of Boba or, you know, watching clone wars and stuff like that. Right. And I always tell people, if you want to watch, if you want to introduce yourself to star Trek at a high level, watch first contact, because I think that's the, it's a great sci-fi movie. It's incredibly well done, but it's very Star Trek. Um, it, it's 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 talks. It's about the humanity. It's about um, you know uh, you know what what a, what a Picard is going through in that episode, and the sci-fi is good, and the Borg are just a friggin' scary alien still at that point. Um, you know, they they that's why I don't like Voyager because they kind of made they made uh, the Borg into a run-of-the-mill bad guy in Voyager. <laughs> The only episode of Voyager that really ever stood out to me is because they did the same thing with Tuvok. Tuvok is also a Vulcan on Voyager. They did the whole same Vulcan heat storyline with him, but they were farther away. The one that stood out for me is because Voyager, they get everything in space is broken up into quadrants. Right. If it's, (laughs) if that helps you. It's the Gilligan's Island of Star Trek. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they get whipped to like, and you know they're not getting off the island the at the end of the episode, right? Yeah. So you knew no matter what happened on Voyager, they weren't going home. It what? It, it, they weren't going home. Like you knew they were going to be stuck in the Delta Quadrant at the end of the episode. But the one that <laughs> stood out to me was there's one where people, another type of aliens, are mocking or pretending to be Voyager. Yes, in the Federation. And yeah. they go to this planet and they're like, oh, yeah, we're a part of the Federation. And the ca- the crew of the Voyager is like, no, you're not. I don't understand. And then they all of a sudden they find these people are like scamming planets to join the Federation. And that always kind of was right. 
I don't know. It stood out in my that mind. Was a, that that was a pretty good episode. I forgot about that one. That's they're not all bad. It's just they're it's just the it's just a very safe series. Yeah. It, it was very politically correct. I don't think the acting or the casting was uh, great. The 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 holographic doctor is fun. Uh, Jerry Ryan is seven and nine. That was the best casting decision they made because she's tremendous and she's even better on Picard uh, now. And and she's hot. So let's be honest, like that they weren't they weren't they didn't make any mistakes with the casting with that. Uh, and you know, but but her her struggle to find her humanity is pretty cool. And and that concept of a Borg trying to you know like a former Borg type thing. And uh, and she was pretty badass too. And but I never liked the captain. Um, I, I didn't, the first officer's okay, but they never knew what to do with them. They, they had a, what to do with a lot of them, the engineering, the Klingon engineer. You're supposed to be half Klingon, but they didn't never, they never really, I don't know. Like they never, you know, the, the, the cook Neelix, Neelix. I want to, oh. I wanted the, I, I mean, you want to talk about a guy. You just what if you saw him on the street, you punch him in the face as this is character Neelix. And, and he's just, there's nothing redeemable about this character at all. He's just obnoxious. Like on the expanse, you'd put him in an airlock and you'd push the button. You'd push him out <laughs> into an airlock, you know, like I'm Paris. They went with a lot like, of cliche characters. Oh, yeah. They were going, yeah, Tom just, Paris is this young guy. Just, His father's an admiral in Starfleet. And, you know, he's a troublemaker rebel, but he's really good at flying the ship. So we're yeah. going to take him. And we don't got anybody else. And the guy yeah. who never, and then the running joke with Ensign Kim, the guy who never gets promoted. Yeah. Like, he's an ensign and he's on the ship for seven years. Nog on Deep Space Nine was like a thug, like was like a pickpocket, goes to the academy and he's a lieutenant by the time the, in seven years. And he wasn't even Starfleet for five of them. So this poor guy couldn't get a promotion. The best episode of Voyager is the one when a character from next generational Reginald Barkley, also okay. known as Murdoch from the A team oh, is great. trying to uh, reach Voyager with this like technical thing and they bring in uh, the actor, the actress, the, the character Deanna Troy from Next Generation, and he tells the story. And he's a guy that has, he's a guy in the future that still has a lot of the problems that all f- most of us deal with anxiety, fear of everything. And he's just a guy that, you know, like in the future that technology just can't fix. And, and uh, but there's a great episode. That's one of my favorite episodes of Voyager because the cast is barely in it. It's mainly Reginald Barkley trying to find a way to, to communicate across huge amounts of space to, to, to help the Voyager crew know they're not alone. And I think it's a great episode. And he finds his own path in that episode. Um, and in the end he, he saves the day and, and it's a cool episode. Uh, but it's, it's got, it's cause it's got two great next generation characters in it, you know, not, not because captain Janeway looking for coffee in every episode. Who, who is this that you were talking about? Uh, so a next generation had a recurring character who's also in first contract, by the way, uh, Played by Dwight Schultz, who was on the A team. He was the crazy guy on A team. Yeah, as Murdoch. Okay. Uh, he plays a uh, kind of a kind of a low level engineer that's got a holodeck of de- uh, you know addiction and uh, and uh, he's got no friends and and uh, but he's very he's a very good engineer but he's just got all kinds of insecurities and he was a recurring character on Next Generation and they brought him back um, kind of as a as a good pilot as a he ended up being on two or three episodes of Voyager in that role of trying to communicate with a with a, a Voyager in the Delta Quadrant through. Okay. 
So well, because you said you said he the he has the fear of everything, so it kind of brought me to this point where I could possibly do something. Do you know what the uh, clinical um, term is for someone that has the fear of everything? I should know this because I know it's from a Charlie Brown cartoon, but I can't think of what is it called? Agoraphobia? No, is that not pantophobia? It's from it's Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) That's right. Everything so, I've learned, so I learned. I, I learned from you. Star Trek, or everything I've ever learned, I learned from Star Trek or Bugs Bunny. I mean, that's pretty much everything I know. Okay. You, you, know? You, you know where to stand <laughs> uh, when when the anvil's coming down. That's all. I can this say. is true. This is true. Okay, so the the movies. It seems like I need to um, break away from the like the first seven are like all tied together. You're saying. The first six are first six. all the original cast. Star Trek two, II, three, and four are considered a trilogy, okay? Um, because it starts with uh, Khan, the Enterprise. Uh, Kirk, Kirk basically has. There is a great scene in, in Wrath of Khan, where Kirk wants to go and find Spock, uh, Spock's body, because Spock was able to mind meld with Doctor McCoy before he dies. So. McCoy is carrying the Katra of Spock. And this is actually from uh, an episode of Seinfeld. They actually references. Um, and so Kirk, the, the, the uppers, you know, his commanding officers tell me, no, you can't take the enterprise and go find him. So Kirk, Sulu, Chekhov, Scotty, and McCoy steal the enterprise and uh, to go find Spock's body. Uh, and they end up having to fight some Klingons led by Christopher Lloyd, uh, you know, like, and he's a he plays a great Klingon. Um, oh, Captain Cook, uh, I want Genesis. Like, there's a <laughs> lot of there's a couple stand ups that have made references to that. Uh, but that's the one where they blow up the original Enterprise. Kirk has to blow up the original Enterprise to give himself a fighting chance. Again, do what you have to do for your friends. And then two, uh, uh, Star Trek. Uh, that's that's Star Trek three. And then Star Trek four. They decide to go home and face the. Uh, consequences of doing what they did and along the way they end up having to save you know civilization as we know it uh and they have to travel back and find to bring humpback whales back to the 24th century and that's a they go to they go to sanford they go to 1986 san francisco and uh and it's a great episode it's a really fun silly silly episode there's no stupid fight scenes or it's just it's good and it tries to talk about the, the it tries it tries to have some fun the 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 interactions with captain with Shatner and Nimoy the the funny stuff is pretty funny like they you know Shatner trying to fit into you know like uh, you know like the 80s is is a lot of fun okay you know so so then the newest movies that have come out yep those are I, I are you talking the Christopher Pine, the JJ verse? Is yeah, that what we're the, talking about now? The Kelvin timeline. Yes, the Kelvin yes. timeline or yes. the JJ verse, as people like to call it. Yeah. So that is my only actual visual watching of yeah. any moment in time of actual Star Trek properties. Okay. Obviously, I've seen memes, gifs, all sorts of things, clips. I watched Mythbusters, so I was I knew about the lizard right. person episode right. from Mythbusters. Yeah. Uh, right. So I watch about mm, the first 15 or 20 minutes of the first newest set of Star Trek movies. Yep. 
that would have come out in I don't know 2014 or something. something like yeah, that. that's about right. So the Chris Pine, JJ verse, Kelvin timeline. Um, I think the cast is really good. I, I think Chris. Were, I thought it was really well acted of what I saw. What's I his like, face? Oh, oh, these are good what's guys. his face from the boys? Um, who who's Doctor McCoy? Is incredible as Doctor McCoy. Um, I think Zachary Quinto is an incredible Spock. I think Christopher Pine has all of William Shatner's mannerisms down to a T. I think the Sulu uh, character's fine. The, the Hura character's fine. The guy that they had playing um, uh, Captain Pike is great. I, I think they're so worried about trying to get a younger generation excited about Star Trek. They forgot to make it about the core principles of Star Trek. So JJ got the continuity right in terms of, you know, Captain Kirk is from Iowa and he had all the factual stuff, right? But he didn't understand the essence of Star Trek and it's a sci-fi movie, but it's not a Star Trek movie. And I like the first Chris Pine. Um, I like Simon Pegg. I don't think he's a great Scotty. I think that movie itself is saved because the captain, the the letter Nimoy Spock that's in that movie is my Spock. He's the Captain Kirk, William Shatner universe's Spock. He is not a parallel version. He basically that movie, the timeline is changed because of what happens. And this is a parallel timeline. It's kind of like, what do you think about the multiverse? And, right. and, 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 and that's, and, in, and even in the movie, Leonard Nimoy says time has been changed. So whatever should have happened, didn't happen. And that first movie is kind of how star Trek or captain Kirk, uh, instead of his father shouldn't have died. His father dies in the first scene played by Thor. What is it? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and uh, so his life has changed. Uh, and, you know, and then they blow up Vulcan and a lot of people are still mad about that. And um, and then the second two movies are, they're okay. They're not, I, again, I think the same reason a lot of us don't like Star Wars 7, 8, 9 is the same reason we don't start, people don't like those three Star Trek movies. J.J. is, he's just not the right guy. He's not the right guy to uh, reboot a fandom. Okay. When now we know who the right choice is to fix Star Wars, right? We all know who those guys are because well, we're watching yeah. them on Disney Plus all the yeah. time. Let, you know, D- Dave Filoni must be in, in control of the uh, the Dave plot. Filoni, yeah. and then uh, uh, John Favreau needs to be the executive producer, and, and, and then, Dallas Howard's got to direct yep. a bunch of episodes, and just for shits and giggles, bring in Taika Waititi for a couple as well. Oh, he's, I mean, because these guys all love Star Trek. I'm Star Wars. These guys yeah. love it. And um and and they know it. I mean, they're fans. I mean, they've talked about it. Like you know, but they also they they deserve a lot of credit for embracing a little bit of the legend stuff and bringing that into canon. You are exactly would, right. I wish they would do a little more of that. They gotta they be careful. Stuff out they're, and say, yeah. you know what? That we need to fix this and bring it in. Christian and, and I have talked about an ex of kin that um. And I know we're way off topic, but uh, we're they're reconning Star Wars slowly, deliberately with Mandalorian, Boba Fett, Obi-Wan, 
Um, to the point that a lot of us feel like we're going to, oh yeah, remember those three movies? Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, we don't remember them either. Like what ha- those uh, those were parallel universe or something. If the, um, if anyone has know. the power to change it, it will be Favre and and Filoni after yep. after a few years of ginormous success of right. TV shows and movies. Uh, say, give us another, give us a chance here. We can fix this this the end of the Skywalker saga because yep. it. Okay, we are way off topic and. This should be left, but I'll say I'll just say because I have to. The Star Wars had a good finish for what was my childhood. I would totally agree with you. The Legends books set it up very well so that there was a spelled out understanding of how it all was going to go. You even had Luke losing control and not and not doing a good job with the new Jedi Temple. Like that part was in those legends. You're right. And then the weird picks of we're going to use a little bit of this. Like, I'm not going to say it because I want people to go and read these books because they those authors deserve it because they wrote phenomenal books. But they picked out a little of this book and a little of this book and like, oh, well, just mix it up and then we'll throw it up in the air and see what happens. And the fact that you would write a trilogy, right? I quote unquote, write a trilogy without actually like you knew you were going to do three movies, but you didn't write it in the idea that it was a a movement from one movie right to the second movie to the third movie and it was all and, one and, giant movie and, and that's the problem with those three star trek movies as well okay. they they understand continuity they read the star trek bible they know the captain kirk was from iowa they know spock is half vulcan they saw some references from different episodes they knew what a tribble was but they didn't understand the essence of what it was like they don't understand you know they they did like when you watch some of the like, and again, I'll, I think it's important to compare it. When you think of the couple of those episodes in the Boba Fett series, um, you know, when we're seeing, you know, the, you know, the the little robot from the video game, and we're seeing yeah. the ship, but those those things are more than just fandom drops. They're they're more important than that because they they there's a cohesiveness to it and they're fun, but that's not what the episode's about. Like the episode is still about the true essence of Mandalore and all that stuff. And again, that's the problem with like Star Trek, uh, the second Star Trek one where they had Kemp but Benedict Cumberpatch play Khan. Why did we why did we need to reboot that? I mean, yeah. it's it, it it's I mean they did things um, and there's some great moments in there, but again, they forgot that they forgot what the star Trek essence is that I started with friendship. Although they get the friendship stuff, right? Pretty well. I, I was uh, going to say that I thought they did get, they get the friendship aspect of, but not Spock that. And, um, yes. Yeah. And a little bit with, even with Kirk and Scotty in the third movie, there's a lot of friendship between them and you see that, which is good. The friendship stuff. Okay. I don't have a problem with that, but I think the, the, the Kirk's principles get pushed aside. You know, the, you know, Kirk violates the prime directive, you know, as, as much as red shirts die. Um, and, and Star Trek deep space Nine even makes a joke about, that Captain Kirk was a menace. The amount of times that he violated the the prime directive and broke the rules of traveling through time. Um, they even, they make jokes about it because it's, it's a, it's a running joke. So it's, they know the jokes, but they also did great stories where I feel like they lost that essence of 
what it meant, like what the Federation's all about. And, you know, it's not about fighting and war. It's about exploration. Sometimes we have to fight, but we'd rather learn about stuff. And, uh, and I, and that's funny as you lead into the new shows, I'm not going to talk about the animated ones, but you got discovery and you got Picard discovery. The first seasons, what is this? Uh, the second season's a little bit better. Once they took Discovery and they end up having to travel 800 years into the future, so they're beyond anything we know in the Star Trek universe, and they're able to build their own um, whatever universe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been great. The last two seasons of Discovery have been really good in my mind because they pushed past all known Star Trek history. Uh, and you talked about it, Picard. The first season of Picard is pretty cool. A little bit too much fan service, but now this new season looks like it's really going to be fan service, but also content because we're bringing back Q. We're bringing back the trial never ends. We're bringing back uh, the Borg, you know, as a major threat again, you know. I I know it was fan service the first season, but I'm not going to lie. There was a tear when I was, when they were at these spoilers, but when they were at the planet and all of a sudden, you know, Riker, Captain Riker at this point is on that ship, and I was like, "Yeah, no, that's great. You better get out of there. You better get out of there, Romulans, because Riker ain't playing games." Uh, Even though it was it was tough, but that scene where Kurt, where Picard is with Data, um, who were my two favorite, those two and more for my three favorite characters from Next Generation. I think the episodes, but the relationship between Kirk, excuse me, Picard and Data was very much that relationship between Kirk and Spock. Uh, But Data trying to use Picard as his avenue to becoming human. Uh, And and he's able to finally give back to him. Spoilers. But uh, it's... That's really good, and the the way they did it, it's kind of a it's kind of a cop out, but it, it ends up being a really cool thing. And bringing Brent Spiner back in multiple roles is good, and I like all the new characters that they brought in, and, and the the tech is really cool, the modern sci fi, the, the 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 updating of the uniforms is very well done. I think the ships look right. Uh, I think that they've done a better job on the Picard series to take Next Generation and and let everything evolve, you know aesthetically where discovery for some other reason had to change everything and it doesn't the ships don't even look right they 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 don't look like star trek and i think that's what a lot of us don't like that it's not it doesn't look like star trek you know would you you update what that discovery oh yeah yeah. it was it was completely it was completely different from what i what i know as star trek like i said i'm not an original series guy but leaving off with uh, pretty much only a couple episodes left of uh, Enterprise, which is like a prequel to the original series, which it's it's kind of cool to see it. But then at that point, you're looking for something newer. But looking at Discovery, they, they, there is too much too much change. You change the look of the Klingons again. Now I can understand why they look the way that they did in 1960. You don't have a whole lot, but then they become more, I believe in what the third movie is what what we know in next generation as a Klingon and therefore, and then in discovery, they got them completely looking completely different. They, they, They tried to blame, uh, 
licensing agreements between Viacom and CBS and Paramount that they couldn't do it. And now I think they're going to avoid Klingons for a while because they really screwed it up. And I agree. I And, and then the culture didn't make sense. It just, it's like, why are you, it, it's, it was very, you know, no one complained. Weird. Nobody complained in Star Trek three, uh, the search for Spock when they updated the Klingons, everybody said, well, that that's good. They should look like, they should look like a different race. And we liked, we dig the vibe. And then they kind of stuck with that same uh, Michael Westmore is the, the Westmores, if you know anything about Hollywood, the Westmores are legendaries. The whole family is like involved in, you know, they're like the Mannings. They, they all, they all, they all world worked in Hollywood as makeup artists. Um, and uh, the, that, that makeup followed right on through, um, through all the Star Trek series, Voyager, all the way, even up into Enterprise, the same basic makeup crew. And I don't think there's any problems with the Klingon makeup, uh, but let's change it, you know, like, because yeah. we can. And it just like, we need to update it. And again, I think that's where Discovery kind of made some mistakes. I, so I try to separate Discovery from Picard because Picard seems to be trying to write some of those. We haven't seen Worf yet on Picard. And I mean, that's, that's what I'm waiting to see because you can't change his look or people will be pretty pissed. I thought there was a rift between Michael Dorn and Patrick Stewart or something. That's, I don't know. I just, I want to, I, I want to Worf. I think if they did a show, the show, if I ran Star Trek for a day, the show that I want is I want the Captain Worf show. And what I want the Worf, I want it to be either the Enterprise G or whatever letter we're up to. Uh, I want an aging Klingon to be the captain because I would love the concept of how does a warrior deal with the, the, the problems of becoming old. I think that's, you got a lot of great stories in that at the end of deep space nine, Cisco ends up having to go live with the wormhole aliens and he leaves his wife behind um, and she's expecting his child. So we never meet the child. We don't even know the gender of the child. And I thought it'd be cool 20 years later to have that child. Uh, basically, Worf kind of became like the stepfather of that child. He would feel, out of a sense of honor, the obligation to help raise that child because Cisco did so much for him. So I feel like he would, he would make sure that kid got into Starfleet, and when he got his first command, he'd bring that kid into his ship. So I think Cisco's unborn child is the helmsman or the security officer or something. And that's the only characters that I would love to see. I don't want any, I don't want Captain, I don't want Tom Paris, and I don't want a bunch of other jerks coming back. But if they did a Wharf series set in 20 years after Deep Space Nine, around the same time Picard's happening, I think that would be a great show that I think 90%, it would be like Mandalorian versus um, Return, you know, the, the Last Jedi. I think we would, it would be, as long as the showrunner understands Star Trek, it would be what Mandalorian is for Star Trek. Because we talked about that. The Klingons are pretty much like the Mandalorian's yeah. piece. For right? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Honor, clans, houses, whatever house has the yeah. most. Severe anger issues. Yeah, Pretty much. The Klingons <laughs> were not very nice because there's a very. They're a warrior race. Episode yeah. of Next Generation. My guy is Riker. If we're doing next generation, Riker is my guy. That's my hero. Yeah. 
I will never change my mind on that 100%. Do you swing your leg over the chair? Oh, I you? will too. I will. <laughs> he was the coolest guy I knew. In he, was cool. world, he was pretty world. cool. He was pretty cool. He got he got as ma- almost as many ladies as Kirk got. You know, in the beginning, he was soon. Then they, they had to hook him up with Troy, but, uh, but yeah, he definitely got. He was he was the quite the ladies man. But there's an episode where it's kind of like a exchange program because the Klingons are. That's a really good episode. That's a good episode. Not, they're not kind of, they're like with the Federation, but they're not with the Federation type deal. Yeah. So he they're goes just over, allies. They're not a yeah. member of the Federation. Right. So he goes over to this Klingon ship, but he has to learn all the different customs, the ways. And, and he has to prove himself. Yeah. And it pretty much ends up kind of almost like what you hear about prison. You got to beat the crap out of probably one of the biggest, baddest guys, yeah. or they're going to push you around. They make and he ends up yeah. about him. That maybe he needs to be breastfed by one of the Klingon women on the ship <laughs> because he can't eat the Klingon food and he trains himself to yeah. do all this stuff before he goes onto the ship. But yeah, it's, yeah. he ends up earning the respect of yeah. the Klingon ship. Yeah, it's a good episode. That's a good episode. Yeah, and they were still wearing the jumpsuits in that episode. So you get, the oh. Klingons had to pick on him for those damn uniforms. Like oh, nice, nice onesie yeah. federation. <laughs> you're wearing you're in a onesie, you know, like. But uh, no, for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. That's a really good point. Man, I I, I don't know if uh, one episode is going to cut it. We're probably going to have to do a part two of sometime because if I'm going to know shit about Star Trek, there's a lot more shit. We yeah, well, it's it's a huge it's when you and we're not even getting into the books and stuff that obviously aren't sure. canon. The last thing I'll throw in is kind of funny. And this is the problem with the Star Trek movies they're making right now, because uh, they they announced they're going to make the fourth Captain Chris Pine movie. And they announced it, and none of the cast knew. Oh. So it's kind of like Chris Pine was like on Twitter or something. He's like, oh, it's news to me. Like, he didn't have an agreement. Yeah. Like, they announced the movie because I think they're trying to... I mean, Star Trek's at an interesting moment because they've got a lot of stuff going on. They've got Picard, which is going to do very well. Discovery's doing okay. That Prodigy is okay. I don't like it. There's a... under. Yeah. There's, Lower Decks was kind of a fun animated series. But Viacom's got a lot of money right now with Paramount, Paramount Plus, and they need some properties. They need to keep up with Disney Plus, and one of their biggest properties is is Star Trek. So they're they but they gotta get they gotta get back into the movies. And I don't know, but I think just forget about the the Chris Pine JJ verse and let's just go, you know, let's just let's bring back the regular prime pr- timeline as they call it you know let's bring it back and let's just do a you know bring in a new cast make a new cast make an enterprise g or whatever we're up to or you know make it it's got to be the enterprise too i i don't want like the the uss you know laundry basket i want hey, i want the i want the enterprise star trek's they, about they go you know, pre like star trek like pre i don't, I don't want it no we did that the u.s before the did, u.s the, the, the or i'm sorry the earth was involved they're, Not, no, well, they they form the federation. So yeah. I mean, you know, and they I, did I, that with Enterprise, and it was like Enterprise was the first big time warp, yeah, engine ship. It was and, the first ship that actually left Earth that with a warp drive engine, like warp five or whatever three yeah. or whatever up to. But there were some good episodes in that show. I I know you don't like it very much, but I liked Enterprise more than Voyager, especially when they brought in the Andorians. Um, they did a real good job with the Andorians. If they would have gotten to do the fourth season, we were going to get the Romulan war, which is, which is, they had a great 
plan for the Romulan war, um, which was going to really tie into, um, uh, you know, the early Star Trek episodes, because we didn't really know what the Romulans looked like. Um, cause they were such a, whatever, agoraphobia or grace or whatever the word would be. Um, and there's one great episode of enterprise where they kick off that whole mirror universe crap yeah. where the, the constitution defiant from the original series ends up going back in time and they end up like the, the parallel versions of Archer and all them end up taking over like a constitution class Federation ship, which leads to the creation of the whole uh, human empire in that dark mirror universe, which is, that was a really, those, those were two episodes that were really good. And that was the third season. So I think if, Vo- if, if Enterprise could have stayed around a little bit longer, if the, if that network, whatever that stupid network was called, had, uh, wasn't it? Was it? Was it UPN or W? UPN. If UPN would have not been such a terrible network, um, I think you probably would have got a few more seasons out of Enterprise. And Enterprise might have been a, you know, might have redeemed itself. It might have ended up being a much better series than it's been credited as. So. The other thing with Star Trek, too, is, you know, as we're talking about these alien races, I feel now I've never delved into legends or anything like that in Star Wars, but I feel like I know these alien races in a little bit more depth than what I do yeah. for Star Wars. Because well, I think you, that was you, one of those things that, you got a feel of them yeah. in the, a cultural sense than just, Hey, here's star Wars. Here's Guido. Yep. There, there, there's Guido. We don't know what he is. Here's hammerhead. We're just going to call him hammerhead. Cause he looks like a hammerhead. Right. But and that's what I think Mandalorian and Boba Fett did very well. Like we got to understand the culture of the sand people. And I really mm-hmm. liked that. I thought that was, that had a Star Trek feel to me oh, that while well, these Rich sand people aren't just territory terms over here and sand yeah. people. <laughs> oh, what, what are, oh, the Tuscan Raiders. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, as opposed to the, o- the Oakland Raiders, they're different. So well, that's a different yeah. franchise, but well, that's uh, <laughs> a little shout out to, to family guy that, to tie in on another uh, franchise. Oh, did they do that? I never, yeah. You they know, did the I, three I, movies and he when uh you know the old man the on family guy who's playing obi-wan old obi-wan says the same people chris goes racist (laughs) or something like that well you can't call it the slave one anymore either apparently that's offending people they they're trying to avoid calling it anything Um, (laughs) they call it by the class of ship now yeah Yeah, i forget what it was called i like Oh, just come on like this. Yeah. I get it. But, you know, there's something. Just let it go. It, we, we know what it is, Rich. You know what I mean? They That's can't true. That but they never called it the slave one in the original movies, to be fair. Mm-mm. True. It's never called the slave one. And, and I got into a fight with somebody about this. Um, Why do we have to change everything? I said, well, I agree with that. I said, but I go, it's technically on screen. Never. Called. Yes, it is. I go, tell me where I, it's there. Tell me where, right? Is, you it, know, that's just one of those Twitter your toy that you purchased or got for Christmas right. was called Slave One. This is true, but yeah. you know. So I think we did a good job here. I I definitely feel more educated. I feel like my head's turned around a little bit, but at the same time, I, I think I got a grasp of how I can attack this and get full enjoyment out of it. But before I let you go, Rich, and before yeah. I let you plug your your show and your son's awesome shows, uh, I want you to do something real fun with me real quick. Okay. And uh, we're going to go through some questions real quick. Got it. So Patrick Stewart famously plays Captain Picard. 
right? Yep. Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc yeah. Picard. And yes. he's phenomenal in it, I guess. Yes. Okay. He is. He's a tremendous actor. He was Great also number. tremendous in the X-Men movies that are also dear to my heart. Yes. Did you like them? I love him as Professor X. Here is the question. If you can only have Patrick, Patrick Stewart playing one of those roles, which role is it? That's a tough one. I know. Um, because some of the X-Men movies are shit, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Star Trek because there's some there's some missteps. Christian and I did a whole episode about what's wrong with some of the X Men movies, um, so that's the only reason. But if if those movies had been written better, I think I would have gone with Professor X. Okay, yeah, he is so he's so believable. Uh, he's literally that. He's the soul of that universe. That, he's that, the soul of that universe. Yeah. He is. He's Professor X from the animated series. Yeah. Yep. He reminds me. Of, Without a doubt. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, so now we get into just strictly Star Trek stuff here. So favorite character of all time. I'll just say Worf. Yeah. Yep. So this is next generation. This is Well, you know what? I I'm gonna I am gonna let me I'm gonna I'm gonna say Cisco instead. Never mind. Okay. I'm, I, let me go with Cisco. Um <laughs> I'll I'm gonna I'll go with Cisco instead. Never mind. Okay. He's the captain of Deep Space Nine. I was shocked when you said Worf because I've only we've only talked maybe a couple of times, but when we talk, it always goes to Cisco. So when you said Worf, I was like, what? I was just I-, I was just watching some I was just watching Worf kill the the Klingon Chancellor uh, this morning. So I think I just had Worf on my brain, but I think that. Cisco's the most important character in Star Trek in my mind. So, and I think it's he's the best actor, and I will fight anyone who says he's not the best captain. Heard. <laughs> he kicked he kicked Picard's ass in a fight. Yeah. So, okay. well, Picard uh, be like, "Oh, can't we find a way to work this out peacefully?" And and Cisco like, "No, I'm just going to hit you with quantum torpedoes be, and blow the shit out of your ship." If it was hand to hand combat, it'd be a baseball bat versus a fencing sword. <laughs> a flute. His little yeah, flute. Or, yeah, His flute. Come on, don't tear down my man Picard like that. <laughs> I do know he's that. not winning in a fight. He got he, stabbed in the heart by a Nausicaan. Come on, man. Thank God for <laughs> memes. New I know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah, I've never watched it, but because of the memes, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm yeah. in. That's uh, it. How about this least least favorite Star Trek? Oh, uh, uh, Neelix, that dumbass on Voyager. Bad actor. Uh, I a bad or oh, worst. Yeah, I think he's a bad well, no, actor. That, it was a question. Yeah, it the was character's bad and the actor's bad too. So okay. I would assume that if there was a better actor, the character would have been better. I think that's the best way in my mind. That's the way that stuff works in my mind. If we're gonna compare him to a Star Wars character, he's like the Jar Jar Binks. Oh, like, without a doubt, he's yeah. not really doing anything. He's kind of clumsy. The only reason why he's on the ship is because he can cook, and they're afraid. And he's not good at cooking. No. It's just, I'm surprised the cast, the crew didn't kill him. So, <laughs> and I think they, I think they casted him, and it was one of those things as the show went on, they had no idea what to do with the character. The the only good episode with anything with Neelix is when him and Tuvok get mixed up. Yeah, because the, the actor's not in the episode, and we have a different yeah. actor. Because the Klingon, I mean, the Vulcan's not great either. I mean, Tim Russ is not a great actor, and his his character was boring. He's a boring Vulcan. Yeah. You know? 
Uh, it's a Vulcan. Uh, <laughs> so I already know that your favorite your favorite property portion of this would probably fall into the Deep Space Nine. Without a doubt, yeah. Okay, so we don't have to cover that. Uh, don't have to go into Lee's favorite because we don't have to be negative the whole time. But I was interested. We'll go out on this one. Who do you think, out of all the series, of out of all the characters in the series, movies, who is the most impactful character and or actor? I think... <sighs> I think probably it's a it's a it's a cross in terms of most impactful in terms of culturally because obviously Deep Space Nine is not as well known mm-hmm. as other things. So I've got to go back to the original series, and I think it's got to be Spock because it was the first actor to play an alien who wasn't a bad guy. Okay, um, right. I and 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 this. and we're all and everybody was like women were in love with him and and he was just so damn cool and he had the Vulcan neck pinch and and he had this rich Vulcan they they explored this concept of what it was like to be a Vulcan and so that was pretty complex and they kept that going in the movies and they, they didn't know what to do with it. And other, they really steered away from Vulcans until they got to Enterprise and I think they made some missteps there. But um, in general, though, I think. I think Leonard Nimoy playing Mr. Spock's probably one of the most important characters in all of sci-fi. Okay. I think that's a great answer. Uh, I'm just glad it wasn't Shatner. Uh, so with that being said, uh, I think we can wrap it up. I will gladly revisit this another day down the line. Hey, maybe by the time that we revisit this, I actually have a couple of these, you know, under my belt, under my viewing. So that'll be kind of fun. So, well, I can always ask for advice, and I can give you a couple episodes that I would start with. I do this with Doctor Who fans all the time. Well, this is a great Doctor Who episode. If you're not a Doctor Who fan, watch this episode, and you'll see why I like it. Okay. Um, and I think there's definitely some Star Trek episodes and movies that I would start with. Um, and then you, you know, and you don't all have you don't have to watch everything. Uh, right. But if you were going to watch it to appreciate kind of the lore, I would. I certainly have my list of things I would recommend. Okay. You know. Well, Rich, you've been an excellent expert. You well, thank were, you for having me. Of course. Uh, you have been excellent to uh, watch over this network. Uh, slowly leave your fingerprints on different podcasts. And I'm glad that you are able to bless mine uh, for the first time here. So, Rich, um, the show that you appear on is Next of ne- Kin. Next of Kin. It's... Uh, we're coming up on about our, we're almost to 50 episodes. So we're getting close to a year. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's my son, Christian, and I. Uh, it's, we've been doing this podcast since he was about six years old, but we only started recording it uh, about a year ago. So <laughs> I, I would tell you that most of what you hear on the podcast are the conversations that Christian and I have had uh, at the island in our kitchen or in the living room or in the car on the way to soccer since he was five years old, uh, talking about Star Trek, talking about, well, not Star Trek so much, Star Wars, uh, Marvel, X-Men, uh, Spider-Man, uh, any properties that we all, we, him and I really like. We, we like a lot of the same fandoms, um, and he's really well-versed in a lot of them. So I like the episodes with him where he'll he'll go, like he did a whole episode where he broke down Eternals for me six months before the movie came out because uh, re- he loves mythical, he loves mythology. So he loves 
he loved the Eternals because not that he said it was a perfect movie, but I, that's kind of where I think we had our stride. We try to like uh, make our episodes about the the being father and son and 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 how I read things, how Ree reads things, and how we kind of mix our how we kind of educate each other uh, mm. with the things, the properties that we watch. So lots of people talk about Star Wars, lots of people talk about Mandalorian, but I mean, I get the opportunity to sit and watch this stuff with my kid, and then I get the opportunity to do a podcast with them every week. So I'm I'm thankful to Matt and everybody for the support because it is it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, to have my adult son and and to spend time talking about what I'm passionate about and what he's passionate about, so mm-hmm. that's what Next to Kin's about. And and we, you know, we I think it's fun. I think we we like to rant about things that drive us crazy, and um, sure, we like to set each other off a little bit, which is fun. So. Uh, well, it, it's got a, a sister podcast, a another yep. Maranto. Well, a brother uh, podcast technically, but yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> brother, a brother podcast. <laughs> So yeah, my other son Zach has his has a podcast with his best friend since they were four years old called Zach. So it's kind of like stepbrothers. Like, is your name Zach? My name's Zach. Did we just become best friends? And um, they've been best friends since they were four. They've played soccer together. They played Xbox and Nintendo DS and you know Pokemon pearl and every other stupid version legos and everything and they have this ridiculous podcast which they've let me be on a few times and they pick the most random topics uh and just debate them like it's a serious thing it's called zach squared and i love the podcast um Christian gets on there once in a while. Once they have different, they usually have a third, you know, reoccurring guest. Tonight, I know they are recording as we started up at the podcast precinct, and they their main topic today was: Are there more wheels or doors in the world? <laughs> that was the top. That was their first topic of discussion. But they've ripped off Family Guy, like how many fourth graders can you beat up with? You know, how many fourth graders could you beat up with a stick? Uh, you know, things like that. Um, you know, they do a lot of rant. I mean, is rant more random, the better. Um, you know, uh, I think they were doing like, if you know, if you, if you had to go someplace with your three most favorite, least favorite people in the world, where would you take them? And I think he picked the Ukraine, I think is a Christian Zach said he was going to go with, but it's a, it's pretty funny. It's a little edgy. Um, uh, but I think they, I, they just have a great time doing it. I'm, I'm glad that they, uh, they got the opportunity. So those, Zach, those. Zach, every episode, Zach loves to bring up the fact that we did not invite him to be on our podcast as a host. Like, at, <laughs> I go, but we talk about things you don't like to talk about. Well, that's not the point. So he likes to rub that in our face on a regular basis. <laughs> that he got left out. That's why he had to start his own podcast. Uh, a good uh, family competition. <laughs> I, I like to see that. That's for sure. Uh, Andrew... Uh, thanks for sitting in, helping me with this, yeah. uh, bringing the real fandom portion of this. I know, you know, I forced Andrew to say the line at the beginning of the show that he doesn't know shit about Star Trek. He <laughs> clearly knows. We know a lot. He knows a lot. He I, knows. I think I'd give you. I think you know more than fifty percent. I'm not. You don't know ninety, but I'd say you probably know. I you probably know more than you realize. Yeah, I I probably do. My wife makes fun of me because i can recite the the beginning from the next generation yeah. because they actually are different between the original series and the next generation right and but when i'm at the kid's doctor's office and they're like so what's your son's birthday and i'm like uh 
but <laughs> yet I could recite that out of the top of my head. So, right. And I'm passing on my nerdum to uh, my youngest son, Jacoby, who wants to join band just so he can play the Star Wars theme. There you go. Beautiful. That's cool. I think I learned that on the clarinet when I was in tenth when I was ten years old. Well, if he wants to have a feature role in the main Star Wars theme, tell him to be a, a French hornist. That I is heavily know. featured. I will never tell my kids to play the French horn. That's a beautiful I, I feel like I feel like if you're if you're a twelve year old at the middle school and you're walking around the French horn, you're probably gonna get your ass kicked, right? I, can we agree on that? That well that's a funny story because I had a friend and uh, her parents would pay me $5 a week to carry <laughs> her French horn because it came in, it, it basically comes in two pieces. So, oh, yes, it probably would, does. Yes, that's a good point. I would carry that home for them and I'd get $5 a week. That was kind of like my first job. Huh. I that's mean, they didn't have to pay me, but you offered. I'm not going to say no. And you got to carry it for the girl, right? Yeah. Yeah, so why we not? Were, yeah, and we yeah, were just hey, we were just know. friends, and it is a pain. Yeah, to but carry. you never know. So, <laughs> so yeah. it's a pain to carry. So that's why I say, the minute I saw French horn, I was like, "Do not do that." And they were like, "Why?" I'm like, "It's two pieces. It's my it's awkward brass it's instrument, if that's what it oh. is." I believe I, there's no reeds in it, so yeah, it's a it right. is a brass. Yeah. Um, Andrew, of course, uh, appears with. Uh, with me on the not with me well sometimes with me on two-point conversation but uh always check out every sunday the uh let's talk but uh no politics okay yeah Uh, which is one of my favorite by the way one of my favorite titles ever for a podcast i agree i i literally was thinking of creating a parody which i don't even know if i would have the gumption or even like the you know stick with uh with itness to uh, do a strictly politics podcast because that would drive myself insane. Yeah, Even with well, my own thoughts, I would drive myself insane. Not even talking to people, you know, about politics. Well, I just um, want to argue about and talk about the important things in life. That's like right. This, uh, right. you know, me trying to persuade you on this road of uh, trekkie yeah. trekkieism. That's yep. right. Or, uh, the last episode. I'm being indoctrined. Yes. The last episode I did where uh, my friend Bryce Benjamin and I, we took two sitcoms and we turned them into dramas and Golden Girls and Cheers. And I mean, by the time we were done, I don't think I could watch Golden Girls again. And I don't know if I can look at Cheers in the same way. Those are like my two favorite sitcoms. And the also the big thing is, is I'm teaming up with the guys over at Retro Blist. And we're going to do uh, kind of a web series over on my YouTube channel and probably cool. put it over there. And we're going to be looking at licensed video games. And it's simply called, do we need this? Yeah. Where we look at it. Did we need this video game? And, you know, we work way through kind of like what I do with mine, what they do with theirs, where we look at it through kids lens, work through it as now and keep on going. So I'm pretty excited for did we need this as well as I I would say that's the every update of FIFA is probably not something we needed because (laughs) it's the only game where aspects of it get worse every year. The goaltending in in FIFA, they they still haven't figured out goaltending. That game's like 15 years old and they still can't figure out how to do the goaltending. Right. Like my son plays FIFA till like four in the morning on a regular basis. And I hear him. He swears more 
playing FIFA than when his own real soccer team is having a bad day. Like he's yeah. like, Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> like, Oh, he's don't go downstairs right now. He might throw something at you. And I'm like FIFA problems. He's like, Oh yeah, this game is ridiculous. So they, I don't even know how they get you to buy $60, spend $60 on a product that does not get better. Wow. It? Called Madden. Yeah. We, <laughs> we can, Madden. Yeah. yeah. I had Madden just so you know. I had Madden. Madden before they added the year. Oh, just oh. Oh, for like, Sega. I had Madden. Madden. Like, yeah. like not, not Madden 82. or Well, not, they wouldn't have had that, but Madden like 2000. I had Madden. Yeah. Right? That was like, that's I tell the kids at school, that's how old I am. I'm so old that they didn't start numbering the Madden when I had it. That's <laughs> the, the, the history on, on Madden over there at uh, Two Point by Now, right? Yep. Oh, I did think you, you did. It? Somebody I did. I, I listened to part of it. I didn't hear all of it, but I did. We, did. we was, talked about John Madden. I think Matt, Matt might have did one. I know yeah. Matt did. Somebody the, did it because I listened to it on the network, but I can't remember who it was now. We did. Yeah. Oh, no. That was, uh, was that on Push Start? Uh, I don't know, maybe. but we talked about John Madden. Yeah, where maybe that's what I heard. It was a revolutionary type of thing where he had three yeah. phases of his career. And it was kind of an interesting discussion of uh, how did you know John Madden? Right. Do you, did you first meet him as the coach, the commentator, or is it just the video game? Does anybody think he had anything to do with the video game besides being in like yeah, the he, did, he, he insisted did. on all did the, he really the, the, the plays big time the plays. I didn't realize that I just always assumed it was just like a like you know like you know and he wasn't even like the first cranberry one. sprite like that it's not something that Shaq I mean that uh, that LeBron actually well, drank there's, there's a you know, there's like a he didn't design the the beverage yeah there's gave no, him all playbooks yeah there's I a really, fantastic um I don't know if it's generic ea sports one but uh there's a podcast that is not on our network so i will not say it right now but uh i can send it to you later uh through facebook messenger and i think i didn't realize that well that's cool yeah um so check out our specific this is important andrew right uh our episode that kind of led to this episode so i appeared on your um, let's talk about no politics, okay? Uh, and we did Star Wars v Star Trek, and it became a very good discussion, not debate, not to, yeah. uh, no one was trying to win here. Although I feel like you won because I ended up doing an entire um episode here just about Star Trek. So I feel I think you won. I wouldn't say I won, I think that episode was just me getting super excited about being able to talk about star Trek. Cause mm. once again, I, I mean, there's Matt that's, you know, super pop culture ish and everything else where you could talk about star Wars. But the minute you mention star Trek, everybody's like, Christian's the same way. Calling, I think my mom's calling me or I yeah. left my stove on. So for yeah. you to be like, I want to talk about this. And I'm like, listen, all star Wars knowledge is getting blown out of my head. I don't know about it. And I'm going to take, I'm the hammer and he is the nail and I'm just going to nail him down. So I, it turned into what was supposed to be a debate to me, just persuading you to, you know, embrace Star Trek. Yeah. 
Well, notice- Christian will Christian will get mad at me, be like, well, not mad at me, but he'll like I'll I, I got start. You know, we do news sometimes on on Next of Kin. Usually, we start with news things, and I'll always bring up a Star Trek news thing. And he's like, I'm just going to take a nap over here while you talk about it because he just doesn't care about the news. But yeah. then he'll talk about anime stuff, and I I oh I cannot offer that like, with an anime. Anime, I like anime, but I can't. He'll watch it for hours. I can watch maybe three animes and then. I got to go see the real world. Like it's like, you know, yeah. one punch man is pretty funny, but, um, you know, there's whatever the hell it's called. The guys, this is so what they get away with an anime. One punch man. First of all, that's the laziest name for the character in the history of anything. Right. Like one punch man. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. He hits you with one punch and you're dead. Yeah. That, but that's, that's the show. Yeah. Like, like, how many seasons of that do we need? Can you just find the big bad? One punch him, and then the show's over, right? Oh, like, come on. You watch it should Sco- be a five minutes. You, you know? watch Scooby Doo. That was the same ending over and over again. Well, but it, yeah, uh, it this was. is true. You know, <laughs> Rocket it's Roller Skates hook. is coming. You know, just like Star Trek has its hook, which is yep. guys in red shirts dying before yep. the end of the episode. Yep. And uh, we have reached the end Sometimes of this twice. episode. Maybe twice. <laughs> uh, we're not ending this episode twice, but this is it for now. Uh, Rich, honestly, thank you so much. Uh, this was a lot of fun. I really appreciate you having me. I really more than you realize. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to ob- uh, oblige. And uh, Andrew, thank you for um, bringing this to my attention and uh, allowing me the chance to f- finally admit that uh, I just don't know shit about Star Trek. <laughs> but now I do. I do. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Andrew. And uh, until next time, guys, go find something to go learn a little something about. It's good. It's fun. Later. <laughs>